It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Show. Thank you for being alongside me. I guess we should call this the Showtime Star Wars Podcast as of late. I actually did toy with the idea of making a Star Wars only podcast like I actually did really think about it for a little while and then I thought to myself eh it's too much work <laughs> it's really the only thing that stopped me from doing it I think I was going to call it I want to say it was going to be called the legacy run podcast and make it like all about the old republic and not even the old republic but uh, the high republic era which is what they were calling it one of the new eras I guess right before the prequel era anyways it was it's a it's a fascinating time for Star Wars but uh I, I, as you guys know, I've been using this pod to mostly do Star Wars reviews, and I actually have finally gotten around to watching the last two episodes of Ahsoka, so why don't we do that today? We'll talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world of Star Wars and how it relates to some of the movies coming up in the not-too-distant future, and you know what, the, the, the most recent episode did actually... And on, on somewhat of a cliffhanger, perhaps, uh, you know, it, it, and I think for some people, it ends on a confusing note, because I'm not sure a lot of people know what Ahsoka, or, or perhaps where Ahsoka is, come the end of the uh, most recent episode. So why don't, we, why don't we do a little bit of discussions on that, and of course, these kind of serve as asides from the regular podcast feed, because I do like to do this occasionally, but do want to do some movie talks as well, right? So uh, let's let's do the Ahsoka stuff, and then, of course, on the next episode and uh, the ones coming down in the pipeline in the not-too-distant future, we'll get some more movies as well. But why don't we continue our Ahsoka review with Episodes 3 and 4. My favorite thing about episode three of this show was, I think it's got to be the very intentional references to A New Hope. There are so many of them. I think the the most overt one is almost certainly when Sabine puts the helmet on with the face guard, the face mask thing, and so she can uh, do the training regimen with the droid voiced by David Tennant and Hu Yang is what he's called. Actually, funnily enough, quick side note on that. It's implied in the cartoon. Uh, when we meet Hu Yang for the very first time, it is implied that he is very old. Like he is as old as a Republic. And I think that if you go to the Wikipedia page, which I, I think is still a great name for a, a, a database like Wikipedia, but Wikipedia, if you go to that page and you look up his, his the notes, and of course it's like a it's a like a fan edit certainly, but there's there is information to support this in the in the cartoon TV show. But uh, it's implied that he's been around since like the beginning of the Jedi Order, which would make him like like over like ten thousand years old. So uh, it's pretty funny to 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 see him in live action because it would mean he's like probably the oldest droid 
ever. Anyways, in that same scene, they give Sabine the helmet. And she said, oh, how, how can I fight if I, if I don't know, if I can't see or whatever the line was? And, of course, it is reminiscent of the line that Luke says when Obi-Wan gives him the, basically the same drill. So I guess it's like a Jedi drill. Maybe I, I probably not. It's probably just meant to evoke that one moment. There just there were just a lot of scenes like that. There was also the scene where uh, Sabine gets in the gunner's chair and it just the way that the way it was cutting the way you could see the camera kind of move from one side to the other. If you look at all the other uh, Star Wars movies where they do this and they do it, I think they do it at some point in every trilogy, but you can basically see the the chair always moves from one to another part. Like it always goes from like left to right, for example, or, or right to left. And then it cuts to a certain shot. They basically did the same thing. There were a lot of really fun uh, references to A New Hope. So that was kind of cool. I mean, the the actual episode itself, I'm not really sure there was, it, it was that consequential other than Balin being a cool badass, essentially, again. And he he just, the guy has a lot of gravitas, and, and I think a big part of that is Ray Stevenson. And you, you go over to episode uh, four of this show, and I guess one thing that is kind of a through line through the whole show is that Sabine clearly does not have very, she's not very gifted in the uh, in the in the usage of the Force. Although I, I do, and I talked about this when we did the Last Jedi review like years and years ago, but one of my favorite things about the Force is that it can belong to anyone and everyone, and it certainly seems in like the post-Jedi Order era, from the few Jedi we have seen, it, they're, not, they're not like gatekeepers. It's not like, oh, you have to have like a bazillion mini-chlorians in order to be the Force users or to call yourself a Force user. You can, kind of anyone can do it, right? It, it kind of, it, it evokes some thoughts of uh, the character from Rogue One, right? Donnie Yen's character from Rogue One, like, I, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me, right? Remember all that? It, it didn't certainly seem as though he was a Force Maybe he was a force user, but he he wasn't like sticking his hand out and force shoving people away or force choking people or what force lightning or all the various abilities that we see the, the various force users, Jedi, Sith, whatever, use in the movies. But he clearly could feel the force, right? He clearly had studied the force over a long period of time and could clearly feel his place in the, you know, like, a, like as if he was a rock in the middle of a river and the river moving around him. He's not really doing anything to the river, but he can still feel it and, and make decisions based on it. I kind of feel like, I'm not saying that's what Sabine is going to be, but it is kind of cool to see them take a bit of a different uh, perspective, perhaps, on Force users, because I mean, you just don't see that all that often, right? Most of the time it's for very flashy Force things, like flipping and lightsaber fights and so on. And don't be wrong, we, I, you want to see that. You still want to see, you want to see Ahsoka do it, you want to see Sabine do it. But it's just funny that uh, they have they have kind of gone all out to make it that Sabine is still learning to be a Padawan and to be a, you know, quote unquote Jedi, a force user, even though she has very limited access to the actual force. But I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, actually, last night on episode three, before we look at episode four, the the thing on uh, the episode three, where she kind of like tries to force grab the cup and she can't do it. And she gets up and leaves. And then the camera just like lingers on the cup. I don't know. That was, that, it was just kind of like, I win. Like I've won this round, Sabine. Ha ha. It was the cup. It's just funny. If it, it, I was kind of looking at it as if it was going to move or something, even though you knew it was just a completely inanimate object. It was kind of funny. Anyways, uh, episode four, that kind of continues because Sabine, you know, she, she 
packs her guns. She has her lightsabers too, but she packs like her 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 two pistols. And then once she gets into the fight with Shin Hati, she uh, I think it's how you say her last name, but Shin at, at the very least. When Sabine and Shin fight, uh, they basically like she basically goes after her with the guns, and then after the guns get knocked out of her grasp after they use the force, she uses the force on Sabine. She uses a lightsaber, and again, same kind of thing. Although, of course, I think she got stabbed through the gut. She, at least the Beskar armor, which kind of funnily enough has been like you don't need, really need the cue if you're just a TV watcher or a movie watcher. You don't really need the cue as to like why Beskar can stop a lightsaber because we've all watched The Mandalorian now, right? So it's kind of funny to see that kind of come all the way back around, but. Uh, clearly, she's not a, a talented force user, even though she is a talented warrior. Um, that was an interesting aspect. Actually, just more action in episode four was pretty cool. It was kind of funny also to see Hu Yang fight because, like, I guess he's like a bazillion year old droid and he's like fighting, like fist fighting. It was kind of funny. It almost felt like we we're watching like Rock'em Sock'em Robots for a very, very quick, uh, quick moment. Also, it's kind of funny to think that a bunch of these like robots or like marauders or whatever have guns and this one rope instead of just shooting Hu Yang they try they keep they fist fight like these two droids are like fist fighting it was kind of odd right but anyways uh the a lot more action certainly kind of funny that as soon as Hu Yang says to them be together they like immediately separate and go their own ways and it ends poorly for both people which is kind of hilarious but the Shin Sabine fight was really cool even if it was kind of What's the right word? Like kind of herky-jerky. It wasn't quite as smooth, but I think you can probably say that was done on purpose because Sabine is not a very talented lightsaber fighter, and and Shin is also clearly an apprentice, right? We like we, She literally has a Padawan, like head tail, a like rat tail thing, right? She clearly has... So she clearly is Balin's Padawan. Uh, the Balin-Ahsoka fight, I gotta say, was pretty cool, and so was the ah- Ahsoka-Marak or Marak fight, or Marak fight, whatever we want to say his name. I know there were a lot of theories as to who this guy could be, when Ahsoka dispatches him pretty easily, it would seem kind of like it was funny because it kind of felt like a samurai fight. And we'll get to that more, more on that in a sec. But the fight with the Maroc guy, I found fascinating because we all thought I, I, I didn't really think he was going to be anyone super interesting. Like I, I definitely did not think he was going to be Ezra, even though some people thought he was going to be Ezra Bridger, the character that Sabine is, is supposedly looking for when when Thrawn and Ezra were whisked away at the end of Rebels. But. I, I, I kind of did think he would be like, it would be some kind of reference to something we knew, whether it was going to be, you know, the, the Galen Starkiller character from the Force Unleashed games. But it also kind of, I thought to myself as, as the, sh- the episode went on, right up until he dies, essentially, that the thing with him is that it, like, for him to take his helmet off, there would have to be, and for it to be someone we recognize, it would have to be someone that everyone easily recognizes. And I don't know if it would, if he took his ha- helmet off and it was like Sam Witwer who is the voice and certainly a voice actor for a lot of different things. He was Darth Maul's voice in the Clone Wars and Rebels, but he was also the voice of, and, and the, like I guess, model for uh, Galen in the Force Unleashed games. Like if, if it was him, I think only a very small subsect of people would have been like, oh, it's that guy, right? So I think it kind of it kind of had to not be anyone in the end as, as the more I thought about it, but uh, it was funny to see Ahsoka kill him immediately and then he kind of like bursts into green smoke and now the reason that's significant is and again to go back to clone wars and certainly to rebels uh the it's, it has a lot to do with like the night sister magic and the night sisters and we we think morgan is not an actual official night sister and that she is more a like a descendant of the night sisters as and she kind of says this basically in the in the first couple episodes and i think it's been kind of expanded upon since then via speculation but if that's even if that is what she is, kind of makes you wonder. 
maybe Merrick was an inquisitor because he had the inquisitor gear. He had an inquisitor lightsaber, an inquisitor who was killed and then resurrected via like kind of makeshift night sister magic. In that case, that's actually kind of interesting. I think that's kind of cool because he kind of like bursts into green smoke like some of the other characters we had seen via Night Sister Magic in the cartoons. And then he like, the the, the figure kind of grows like, it's like almost like a skeleton or like a decomposed body falls to the ground. So that was kind of funny. Ahsoka clearly did not have very many issues because he like beat his ass in like less than five minutes. So the, the other funny thing is too, is as we as we go into the, the Balin Ahsoka fight and Balin remains just impossibly cool, um, R.I.P. Ray Stevenson, but it, it's just kind of funny to think that, like, because okay, so one of the tropes they did in this in this episode, the fourth episode, which they do in a lot of movies, it's not just a Star Wars thing. They do it in every action movie ever, right? It's like, oh, these characters are wearing capes, and you know, shit is about to get real when they unhook their cape clasp and the cape falls to the ground, and it's like, no more capes, people, and, they, and then they start swinging their swords at each other, right? That's how many times have we seen that in any sort of anime, any cartoon, real movie, like live action movies? We've seen it a million times, right? So they do that in. Ahsoka episode four, when Ahsoka and Balin fight, it's just kind of funny to think that Ahsoka did not take her cape off for Merrick. So it's just kind of like she clearly did not have any sort of fear of fighting that guy and for, well, for good reason, because she kicked his ass immediately. It was kind of funny to see uh, Balin fight Ahsoka. And I had one of the most interesting parts of that fight. Certainly the choreography was great. Uh, Balin, they, they do some interesting things with the, the way they hold the sword. Because when Ahsoka is holding her lightsaber and she's fighting Merrick. She kind of, she holds it like a katana. She holds it like a, she kind of has her, her grip higher up on the sword, kind of like a baseball bat almost, right? She kind of is gripping it a little higher up, hands not quite wedged together like a, like a baseball stance, but a little further apart, I guess for better grip. I'm not going to pretend I'm some kind of sword expert, but she was clearly wielding the one sword like a, like a katana, like you see in those old movies, right? When she fights Balin, she does the same thing and he has his own stance. And then when they, she switches her stance after a quick repartee and then he switches his stance. And it was kind of interesting to see them match each other's stances. Like, I, I guess to, to counter one another as best they can. It very much reminded me, and I'm sure this was intentional. I mean, how could anything that not be intentional in these high budget TV shows really in movies, but I'm, it, it was fascinating because star Wars of course is based on samurai movies. Right. And of course, Jedi and so on are very much like samurai. And so, so is Darth Vader, for example. Right. But, and how, how many times if you've never Googled, by the way, samurai, like a samurai Darth Vader, like a quote unquote realistic version of what Vader would look like if he was a samurai in like feudal Japan, I'd recommend it. Cause they're pretty cool envisions. Some fans of just people are so creative out there. It's very cool. But uh, when it comes to, this episode, it was kind of fun to see the homage to old samurai movies because you know that is like in the DNA of Star Wars dating all the way back to the 70s, uh, which is which is pretty cool. So uh, that was pretty neat. And the, the piece of dialogue, the dialogue they were having right before, during and after the fight between Ahsoka and Balin when she draws her lightsaber and Balin's kind of, he kind of like sighs and is like, how inevitable. It, and almost like he was disappointed that Ahsoka resorted to violence, which is kind of fascinating, right? Because she, she in the cartoon, she's been pretty headstrong. But in this particular show, she has never really been... She's been kind of stoic and maybe to the point where some people have complained a little too much about, is this the character I grew up with? And, and yeah, I mean, whatever. This is Ahsoka at a very different stage in her life versus when she was like an annoying teenager still learning how to use, be a Jedi and use the Force and be Anakin's ap- apprentice Padawan and so on, right? But 
it, it is pretty interesting to see him say or hear him say that because it again kind of felt like he was disappointed. Thought there would be more talking, perhaps. And Ahsoka, I, it, they kind of had the the upper hand at different points in that battle, but uh, in the end, when he dispatches her, when her her hand is injured after touching the the star map, it was kind of like he just. He just exudes not just cool, but like seriousness, right? That's why I used the word gravitas earlier. And it just, I really do, again, to go back to what we were talking about in the previous episode, I really do wonder what the plan is for Balin. Because of course, the show is done. The show is shot. Probably they're all probably just queued on Disney Plus to be released on the various servers as soon as every Wednesday comes around and the very, whatever time it comes out, like the 3 a.m. On the, on, on the East Coast or whatever. But it's interesting because... With Balin, because if, okay, if, he, if he doesn't die at the end of the season, you want to see more of Balin. In real life, Ray Stevenson is not around. So if you do see more of Balin, it will be a recast. And I, I frankly do support recast. It's one of the big reasons I was a little annoyed, even if it made sense in the moment, for them to like not recast Chadwick Boseman, for example, when he died and, and instead of having Black Panther not really be in the other ones. And Black Panther, like it's not just about like the way his, his importance to like the black community, which is huge because how many black, cool black superheroes are there that fulfill the same expectations that a king of a country in, in T'Challa does, right? I only bring this up because... Obviously, Black Panther 2 was all about losing T'Challa, but it, it's just, it, it really did feel like for a character as important as T'Challa, they should recast him. It's, it'd be like if you never recast Superman or you never recast Batman or something. Like many people have been Batman, many people have been Superman. So I do kind of wonder about the same decision. And certainly, Balin is not the same level of character in terms of fame as like Black Panther and Superman and Batman and so on. But I, I only say, I, I, I fully support recasts, I guess is my point. As respectful as you want to be, I almost feel like those actors would want to see the characters and their work either try to be improved upon or have a different take on it. There's been a million Jokers, for example. Like I, I have a feeling everyone would support a recast. It's just the, the only shame is, and I'm sure whoever gets to be Balin, if Balin does live at the, at the end of Ahsoka, I'm certain the next actor will do a pretty good job as well. The casting has been pretty on point in my opinion over the course of the Disney era of star Wars, but boy, I mean, it's going to be hard to get the same performance out of whoever becomes the new Balin. And of course the other half of it could just be that Balin dies at the end of the season. And that's that for Balin. And you know what, if that's the case, then Ray Stevenson will have done another great job with another great character. As we discussed in the first one, you know, black sales and Rome and uh, for me, GI Joe and Dexter and so on, right? Like he's, he's a very famous character actor. And I think this might end up being one of his best because it's almost like he's like, not even evil Qui-Gon. It's almost like a morally gray Qui-Gon, for example. But I, I am very intrigued. And again, this movie, uh, pardon me, this uh, TV show, this episode specifically, again has Ahsoka say the words heir to the Empire. And it's funny, like, if, if there's anything that makes me think of heir to the Empire and Timothy Zahn specifically, who's the author who wrote those books back in the 90s, it's kind of funny to think one of the things he writes a bazillion times in that book is... Like blank, like Thrawn, Grand Admiral Thrawn smiled sardonically. He he uses the word sardonic so much, and I I kind of I, I still am not one hundred percent sure as to what it means. I think it what it means is like sarcastic with a hint of wryness, perhaps a smile with a, a wry smile, maybe another way of saying a wry smile. But 
Uh, I, I I was hard pressed to point out exactly a lot of times where you'd see like a sardonic grin or smile in Star Wars. I swear to God, the only thing that that Morgan Elsbeth character does is smile sardonically. I'm 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 sure of it. That's is all she does. And uh, ba- Balin must be getting sick of it because that's that's pretty much the only expression on on the woman's face every time they see each other. But yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see everything Balin because he continues to be very, very, very cool. I, I can't wait to see the fan, uh, the fan uh, outfits of Balin. Shin continues to be pretty cool as well. I love her outfit. I, lo- I love like the, because she and Balin have the almost exact same outfit. He has larger kind of guards on the shoulders and she has like smaller, uh, like thinner ones. I mean, she's just a smaller human being than he is. He looks absolutely ginormous, but uh, she has kind of like silvery looking ones, kind of like very Mandalorian-esque almost, but it kind of evokes some thoughts of like the Death Troopers or Stormtroopers, probably intentionally. Just has very like a lot of strong angles, shiny, right? It just more, more I guess, for your mind to think, oh yeah, she's a bad guy, right? Uh, but she continues to be cool. Pocket Sand, she throws some pocket, I know it was a smoke bomb, but it just, it, it very much made me think of the King of the Hill Pocket Sand thing, just because she's like, ah, whoosh, and then just gone, right? But just kind of funny. But uh, the, the two villains continue to be very interesting, and of course, the last time we see them, they are jumping off to the other galaxy with this giant hyperspace ring, so I guess the next time we see Ahsoka, which will be in a couple days from the time I record this, uh, will be, maybe we'll see Ezra, maybe we'll see Thrawn, which I'm very excited about. I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion suspicion based on the new Thrawn books, which which are canon apparently, that uh Balin referring to the greater good will will not necessarily mean Thrawn will come in to lay waste to the New Republic, but it'll be something like we have uh, that the books have alluded to, which is he is preparing for a greater extra galactic threat which in the books are the Grisk, which is another species that, you know, the, all the books take place before Thrawn is like exiled from the Chiss, and uh, which is what he is. He is a member of, he, he, he is a Chiss and used to be an admiral in the Chiss Ascendancy. That's the name of their government beyond the unknown regions that like does not really interact with the Republic slash the Empire. But once he gets exiled, he then finds Palpatine and becomes a Grand Admiral for them. I'm sure we'll learn a lot of this stuff in this series because it certainly feels like they're leading up to uh, the this like Mando verse movie, if you want to call it such, uh, with like kind of the the through lines of the Mandalorian, and I'm sure the Book of Boba Fett, and now Ahsoka, all kind of converging in this one movie, which I guess is going to be directed by Dave Filoni. Um, speaking of Dave Filoni, one of the one of the aspects of I guess Rebels, but just of Star Wars in terms of Star Wars lore that I have never admittedly been a huge fan of. Has, is is the world between worlds, which is where Ahsoka finds herself at the end of the episode. By the way, the transition, kudos to Peter Ramsey, who directed it. Peter Ramsey actually also directed the first Spider-Verse movie, which was just phenomenal. So you knew anything he did visually was going to be really stunning. But uh, the the transition from Ahsoka looking like she like like the ocean, the waves of the ocean, kind of hitting the, the side of the island as it moves from right to left... And to see her, what it looks like her lying in a puddle, only for her to get up and looks like she's lying on like this bridge of energy in the world between worlds. Give them credit; it looks exactly like it did in Rebels. And the, to explain the world between worlds is very difficult, but it is essentially like I mean, what what it sounds like. It is a world between worlds in the sense of uh, what like what what happens is th- there are portals that lead to all different moments in time. So in Rebels. 
in one of the season finales, I think, or just one of the episodes late in, late in one of the seasons, Ezra and Kanan flee while Ahsoka fights Vader. You think to the death because then the temple explodes and you just never really see Ahsoka again. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty powerful moment because Ahsoka slightly younger than she is now fights Darth Vader and she gets a good shot on him to prevent as he's about to kill, I think one of Ezra or Kanan or both. And the lightsaber shot lands on his mask, rips open the mask, and uh, she sees and hears Anakin's voice kind of intermingled with the Darth Vader voice, kind of kind of the same way we saw on the Obi-Wan TV show, right? That was pretty cool. Um, probably one of the better moments of that whole TV show, I would say. So it kind of got like, that was like the live action moment of the thing that happened in Rebels, even if it was Ahsoka and Vader versus uh, Obi-Wan and, and Vader. But the, the point being that that, 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 Duel ends with Ahsoka dying, essentially, right? And at the end of the episode, you see her walking out of the rubble into, like, some unknown tunnel or something. And I had always thought it meant it, it was just kind of like a an ambiguous way of like, making the audience, not a literal way, but an ambiguous way of making the audience think that Ahsoka somehow lives. They don't really revisit it for a couple seasons until Ezra finds himself in some like force parallel universe thing in this like world between worlds. And he sees through one of the portals, Ahsoka fighting Vader and Vader about to like deliver the final blow. And he reaches through instinctively and yanks her through. And in that rea- in that moment, she disappears in front of Vader, who is like, I'm sure dumbfounded. And then, and then uh, he leaves. Cause of course we, we know what happens with Darth Vader at vis-a-vis the movies and Ahsoka lives and she lives by, entering this portal and she's in the world between worlds. So she's been here before. I highly recommend watching it because it's like not the clearest. And I think it can only really be explained visually, but uh, it it's unclear how she ended up there again. And I'm sure we'll get an answer in episode five, but I, I guess I've never really liked the idea of like using some kind of deus ex machina time travel type stuff. Not because you can't have it in a fantasy universe. You absolutely can. It just felt like, for me, it always had felt like Dave Filoni creating a completely unrelated aspect of the Force. And again, there's no reason why time travel can't exist or, or you know, all sorts of crazy stuff that we've never seen. There's no reason why that can't exist with the Force because you can it can be anything you want. It's, it's life force. It's energy. It can be literally anything you want. So we've seen wilder things in other fantasy and sci-fi films, certainly. But it always just felt like a way for Dave Filoni, who created Ahsoka, to come up with like some way to save his favorite character. And he has said many times that Ahsoka is his favorite character. And now we're, I guess we're using it again to give Ahsoka the resolution with Anakin, who appears at the end. We see Hayden Christensen at the end there with Rosario Dawson on the bridge. And you're going to get the re- maybe the resolution that, you know, sh- she has craved for so long that you, the fans, have craved, right? It's, I find it really, very, very, very fascinating because... It certainly feels like this is a post Vader Anakin, like the Force Ghost that we had seen at the end of Return of the Jedi, and of course, you know, famously after the prequels came out, George Lucas uh, removed Sebastian Shaw and put in Hayden Christensen as the Force Ghost. So again, I, I mean, I don't love that. I I don't love it really, but for continuity's sake, it's not the worst thing in the world to happen. Given that Sebastian Shaw s- certainly is still in the movie, just like as Vader when they take his mask off and so on in, in Return of the Jedi. So again, like not a huge issue for me on that. But uh, the the one interesting thing, which kind of left, makes me feel, I mean, it's a cliffhanger either way, but makes it feel like even a, an even bigger cliffhanger is the point where uh, 
he says, like, he kind of, like, he kind of, like, gives sort of the sardonic wry smile, perhaps, or the apologetic smile at the very end. And then he, like, as as it cuts away, you hear, like, the, the first couple notes of, like, Vader's theme song, the Imperial March, essentially, right? And I thought that was interesting because it kind of felt like it was intermingled with the regular Anakin theme song, and then you get the Vader stuff added right at the end. So it's kind of like, Anakin? question mark right as to like are you is this anakin is it a trick is it vader like who is who is that we're seeing is, is she is she gonna see both right because of course she has experiences with both anakin and, and and darth vader so i think it's a it's a great way to end the episode the musical cue stuff has been so important to star wars over such a long period of time that i think they do such a good job of it so i'm glad they did do it in this one because that's uh it's, it's a it's a spicy way to end the episode and again i don't it, it, I don't know if they're going to do anything crazy in terms of like making Ahsoka save anything or be saved going going forward. Because I mean, she she falls off falls off a cliff after Bail and knocks her off, and I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, there's the water underneath. She probably lives. It's just fine. It could also be a hallucination for all we know. But as we as 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 it goes with these things, it is probably not. But I uh, I do find I think that I think the show has gotten better as it has gone on. I think that's what it is. It's gone. It's gotten far better as it continues. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll I'll eat up everything Star Wars, and whether or not it leads to a complete re reimagining of Timothy Zahn's *Heir to the Empire* trilogy, kind of feels like it is, right? But whether it re re, re leads to that, Balin could be the uh, Joris Sebaoth crazy Jedi character, and he kind of looks like the the illustration on the front of the book, albeit with a shorter beard uh, and and le- not quite as long hair, but kind of feels like regardless. There's going to be a bit of an incomplete uh, telling of Balin's story if he does live, just because Ray Stevenson will not get a chance to finish that character's story if he does live through the end of the season. But either way, I think it's going to be a a really interesting end to this season. So you're four episodes, and I think there are eight or ten episodes, so still quite a lot to go, but it's going to be really interesting to see what direction they go in, and I can't wait to see Thrawn. Thrawn, legitimately, I think, is my favorite Star Wars character. Like, Darth Vader of, of the movies, certainly. I read the Heir of the Empire books when I was, like, 10. They were one of the things my... One, I might, be, might have even been younger than 10. I, was, I, I loved reading those dense Star Wars novels, and I, I could not get enough of them. I read those, and I read, like, clue books, if you guys remember those, where, like, you have to turn the book upside down to get the answer at the end of the mystery, but uh, the Star Wars books have been a big part of my life pretty much my entire life. And I continue to read them to this day, if not quite as uh, rapidly, but because they are such a big part of my life, Thrawn has been a big character. I think not just for me, but for many Star Wars fans, my age or perhaps slightly older. And because of that, I am so interested to see what the take on him will be in real life. Because I think there has been a criticism and maybe a little bit valid that the Hera we see played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead is not the same Hera voiced and animated and voiced by... Vanessa Williams. Same goes for Ahsoka, now played by Rosario Dawson, previously certainly animated and voiced by, of course, Ashley Eckstein. And the same goes for all the other characters, too, Sabine and so on, right? But the characters are all different, I think, by necessity, because these characters, I mean, they're different stages in their lives, they're older, They a lot of things have happened to them since then. You do see some glimmers of the previous younger versions of themselves kind of leak out a Harris saying like once a rebel, always a rebel. That's kind of fun. I think that was in the trailer, but still it was, it, that kind of stuff is fun. Right. So knowing that I'm very interested to see not only the change from the rebels Thrawn to this Thrawn, if we do get to see him, I'm sure we will, but the, 
the the book version of Thrawn to live action Thrawn because even the book version of Thrawn to Rebels Thrawn was wildly different in just in the sense of how we spoke and how, how mannerisms and so on. But again, it's animation. It's a different beast when it is live action. So, and, and I am not here to say the animation is only for children. I, I do not believe that, but it it will be very interesting to see what the differences are between all three versions of Thrawn. I cannot wait, personally. <laughs> I really can't wait because, like I said, he's one of my favorite characters. Ezra, I, I, I'm less invested in, but I, I will admit, as one of the few brown characters in all of Star Wars, I actually do hope he's cool because Ezra was kind of cool. He got certainly cooler as the show went on, but he, he was kind of cool in the uh, show Rebels. So, again, I, the, not a lot of brown people representation in Star Wars, so I wouldn't mind uh, for him to be cool. But, hey, maybe we see him in the next episode. Certainly we will see both of them by the end of the season, but I am very much looking forward to it. But uh, so okay, episodes three and four, great stuff, and I, I can't wait to see more. That does it for this episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast, the Showtime Star Wars Podcast, as it has been lately. We still got I still got a couple episodes in the can that we got to just finish editing essentially. But Barbie, Oppenheimer, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, a lot of a lot of the summer blockbusters. Maybe instead of doing like a Barbenheimer episode, it'll just be like summer blockbusters. 2023 and then get to a whole bunch of them but um that's that's what's up next in addition to all the various ahsoka episodes it's been a lot of fun thank you for letting me uh, talk about star wars more than i get to just because i don't know we're so far away from any movies that i'll take any chance i get i really hope andor season two comes soon but writer's strike actor strike probably means it is not so I will have to be sated. My, my appetite will have to be uh, fulfilled by uh, all the uh, action going on with the Star Wars universe vis-a-vis Ahsoka. So here's hoping the uh, ending in the next couple episodes are satisfying and good. Very much looking forward to seeing what goes on with uh, Anakin Skywalker, certainly, because anytime you can get anyone from the movies in there, I support it, even if the prequels aren't great films. Yeah, they're they're old enough now that I think they have had their own renaissance in terms of fan love, so I am very much looking forward to that, but uh, appreciate you guys being alongside me you've been listening to the showtime movie podcast i'll talk to you later your legacy like your masters is one of death and destruction